Hello, you're listening to the podcast of Bay Ridge Christian Church. Each Sunday, our aim is to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ from the text of the Bible and to catalyze the hearts of our hearers to love and gratitude towards God and all of His creation. We hope you enjoy this teaching, and we pray that you will be encouraged to trust in Jesus today. Good morning, church. There we go. It's our first uh, Sunday outside, so I, it's nice to see some faces that I've not seen in a while. Um, first thing I will say is, as you can hear it already, my voice is a bit shot. Um, I had a worship night the other night, and I got a little too crazy. So, um, <laughs> But let's go to our uh, Bibles in Revelations chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4. Can you all hear me well? Yeah. Say amen if you can hear me. Amen. There we go. Revelation chapter 4, we're going to read in verse 4 through 6. Four, um, sorry, verse 6 through 11. Um, but first, I want to tell you that I'm going to be preaching from the subject, the power of praise. The power of praise. Um, there, are, there are some sermons that are they're more specific towards the situation that you're going through. For example, like going through COVID. There are sermons that we preach that deal directly with that. But then there are some topics that are timeless. And those sermons can be timely but they're universal principles, and I think that that's what we're going to aim at today, that the, there is power in our praise. And no matter where you find yourself today, this can apply to you. How many of you know that the power of praise has the ability to shift our perspectives to the degree that when we're going through bad, God can work it for our good? And we believe that while we are in the bad, God is working it for our good. One source defines praise as one of humanity's many responses to God's revelation of himself. And so what we have when we praise is we have God revealing himself to us in a picture, and we respond to him audibly with a praise. We respond to him. And, and, and a praise is very interesting. I love praise. And, and if I'm honest with you today, I mean, I fail to praise God a lot, and if we're all Honest, we, we do miss that sometimes. But, but the reason I fail is because I fail to understand the benefits of praising God. I fail to understand that praising God is God's way of bringing us closer to Him. Praising God is God's way of introducing us to His presence. And so I hope for us today that we would be able to see this, that God is wanting relationship with us. And no matter where we find ourselves, up, down, high, low, God wants us to praise him so that we can get closer to his presence. Can you say amen? So before I get into this passage, let me give a little bit of context. In Revelation chapter 4, what we're looking at is a picture of this praise. As Brett already mentioned that, it is a picture of praise that is in the heavenly places. We are in the heavenly places. John, you guys remember John wrote the, the, the book of Revelation, and God comes to him, and he's given a revelation. He's given a vision from God. And in this vision, this particular chapter, John is called up to the heavenly places. And, and, and there's a voice that comes to him and says, come up here. It says, come up here. And John, all of a sudden, he recognizes and realizes that he's in the spirit of God. And he goes up, he listens to the voice in the spirit of God, and he sees a throne. And he sees sitting on the throne, he sees God. He sees Yahweh. He sees the triune God. 
And let me just stop and say for us today that that's not that's not a small thing because we are seeing a picture of praise. And let me just say this, that the Bible tells us in Ephesians that it is by the spirit we have access to God. That we've been saved and we've been given the spirit of God and it is through the spirit that we are given access to God. And so for us, a quick application would be to pray more for the spirit of God so that we would have a vision of God in our lives. But John, around the throne, there are 24 thrones. So if you can picture this, you have this one throne sitting in the middle, then you have 12 going this way, 12 going that way. There are 24 thrones. And on each throne, there is 24 elders, we are told. There are 24 elders. Now, the identity of the elders is not made known to us. You know, people speculate, is it, is it the tribes of Judah? Is it the apostles? We, we, we really don't know. But what is important is what the elders are wearing. The elders are wearing white stainless garments, and they're also wearing golden crowns. Now, these white stainless garments, they actually help us to understand who the elders are representing, and that is us, the saints. Remember, we're having this picture of praise, and the elders are representing us, the saints, because the white stainless garments are representative of the idea that Christ has given us his righteousness. That when we believe in Jesus, he gives us his perfect righteousness. It's not something that we've worked up. It's not something that we've done. It's not our good deeds that gets us closer to God. We can't gain his favor, but it is his perfect righteousness that he puts on us, and we wear it as we walk through this life. And so you see these elders wearing these white garments, and, and moreover, they're sitting on thrones. And you'll remember in Ephesians chapter 2 that they are seated in the heavenly places. We saints are seated in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus. We're seated there with him. So, so my resident is 8267 Appalachian Drive here on earth, but really, I'm up with Christ right now, seated with him in the heavenly places in faith. So they're seated with him on the throne, by the throne, but they're wearing these gold crowns. Now, what are these gold crowns for us? The gold crowns are the reward that we as saints, the elders, we as saints will reap and receive when we get to heaven for our good works. I got you. You're like, wait a second. Good works? No, no, no. Good works doesn't get us to heaven. No, no, no. No, good works does not get us to heaven. But there is this process, and I want you to see this, that when you are saved by Christ, you are saved. We are given these white garments. We are given salvation. And with that comes the Holy Spirit. And so it goes from salvation now to sanctification. Have you heard of this term, sanctification? Everybody say sanctification. Yeah, wake us up a little bit. Salvation goes to sanctification, which is making us pure. Those white garments that we are wearing, those white garments that the elders are wearing, God is saying, okay, I'm going to, to give you the righteousness of Christ, and then I'm going to begin to work the righteousness of Christ in your life. It's somewhat paradoxical, but it's incredible. That now, now we are given the Holy Spirit, we are working this sanctification, and the fruit of this sanctification is indeed, it is good works. You'll remember in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says what? It says that we are created for good works. And these crowns that the elders are wearing, Christ is rewarding them. This is why he tells us to store our treasures up in heaven. He's rewarding them for the good works subsequent after salvation. Now we'll return to that here in a little bit. But I wanted to paint that picture really quick before we head into our verse, which is verse 6. I didn't have time to describe it completely. I'd encourage you as you go back and study this on your own, I'd encourage you to look at it because there's a lot of gold here. But I didn't have time to look at it completely. But we're going to go into verse 6 and we're going to see some more description in our scene. So we have these 
this throne, and we have the 24 elders wearing white garments and golden crowns. Verse 6. And before the throne there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures. It's very significant. Four living creatures. Watch the description here. They Full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion. The second living creature like an ox. The third living creature with the face of a man. And the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. Now, if you guys have uh, been, been around here for more than, I don't know, like two weeks or so, you will have met one of my friends. His name is Mark Holmes. <laughs> Some of you already know where this is going. Mark, Mark, Mark loves to share the gospel. Mark loves to share the gospel. In particular, he loves to share the gospel at what? The fair. Has anybody been to the fair? Our county fair that Mark shares the gospel. He uses what he calls the four gospel symbols. And Brett has preached on this as well. The four gospel symbols. And these four gospel symbols are what we're seeing here in this passage right now. We're seeing the, we're seeing the ox, we're seeing the lion, we're seeing the man, and we're seeing the eagle. Now these four gospel symbols, evidently by their name, they represent to us the gospel. There's a particularness about each one of these characteristics of these beasts, or some call them beasts, but creatures, that is indicative of what Christ had to be through the gospel for us. For example, Christ had to be man. Remember, there's the face of a man. He had to be man so that he could bring us to God because the, the separateness, the unholiness of humans, it, it, it requires that we get to God, but we need Christ to come down as man to take us to him. So we see here now he is a man. But more specifically in this passage, more specifically in this passage, these four gospel symbols represent the characteristics of Christ's reign in heaven right now. If you were to go back in these times and you were, you know, there was monarchs that reigned and things like that, and you were to see a, a throne, you would actually see carved images around the throne. And these carved images always represented the characteristics of the reign of that particular monarch. Was this monarch powerful? Were they strong? There, there were different characteristics. So, for example, I don't have much time to get into this, but, 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 the, but here the lion, it represents Christ's power and his authority as he reigns on earth. The ox, it represents Christ's persistency, his consistency, his perseverance with us. It, it, the, 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 the man, it represents God's rationality, his intelligibility, that his ways are higher than ours, his logicality, if you will. Now we look also at the eagle and it represents his swiftness, his efficiency. And this is great. Are, are you not grateful that you have a God that, that has these characteristics as he's on the throne? I mean, when I look out and I see the trouble that we go through, I see the evil, I see the suffering, I see COVID, I see the fear, I see the insecurity, I see the brokenness, the hopelessness in this earth. I'm happy and I'm grateful that I have a God that's reigning who's competent enough and good enough to take care of all of it for us. He's on the throne. He is on the throne. And it's a beautiful reality. And this is why we say, uh, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is where? In heaven. Now, the point I really want you to get is that each one of these creatures represents God, a characteristic of God. But this is where it gets fascinating. Because God is not represented in images, but God is represented in revelation, in verbal revelation, if you will. Watch this in verse 8. Watch, watch what happens. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. 
Meaning, this represents the omniscience of God. He sees all. He knows all. I love this. And, and day and night, they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. The description of God. The BRCC Catechism question 7, it asks, What is God's character like? The answer is what? It's God is perfect in holiness. Everybody say holiness. God is perfect in holiness. He's perfect in love. And he's perfect in integrity. Now, I believe that holiness is the greatest way to describe our God. Because God, see, holiness is, it's a uniqueness. It's, it's, it's a separateness. It denotes his separateness, his distinctness from us. Sometimes we get it confused. We think, oh man, God's like us, just better. No, 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 no. God, 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 God's not like us better. God is wholly, completely different than us. His righteousness is not like ours. His righteousness is holy and complete. It's different. His justice is not like ours. He's not like one of our Supreme Court judges sitting on the throne, just better. No, he's completely just, completely holy, completely graceful, completely merciful. He is complete in his holiness, completely separate. And it's a magnificent thing that he's holy. And all they can say as they look at God, as they give us revelation of who he is, they say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and who is and who is to come. Who was and who is and who is to come. That reminds me, if you'll remember, when God revealed himself to Moses, what did he say? Moses said, what, 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 what's your name? What should I tell them? What should I call you? He says, I am who I am. I am who I am? I mean, you could get like 16 degrees trying to figure that one out. <laughs> I, I am who I am. God's saying, I am who I reveal myself to be in a particular moment in time. That's who I am. How do we know he's righteous? Because he's told us in his word. How do we know he's good? Because he told us in his, in his word. It's not, it's not, oh, I, I just believe God loves me. No, 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 no. And nobody's worried about you. It's what God reveals himself to us in his word. I need something concrete. I need his scriptures. I need his Bible to tell me who he is. He says, I am who I am. But I love this passage because it takes it a step further. It says who was and who is and who is to come. In other words, who I have revealed myself to be, I will always be. And when I reveal myself in the future at my second coming, you will know that's who I am. So like, like, like Thomas, you remember Thomas who, who, who touched Christ, we will one day tangibly know that he is good. We will one day tangibly know that he is graceful and he is loving and he is kind. We will feel it. We will touch it. We will see him on the throne, what they call petifically. In other words, in, in full picture, in full color. But right now, he wants us to believe that in faith. He wants to believe that through faith. Now, now let's continue here. In verse 9, because this is, I love this, the, 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 the response of the elders. The response of the elders here. So we just had the creatures telling us, holy, 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 representing who he is. They represent his power, his, his strength, his might, his graciousness. They represent all these things and they say, that's not enough. I've got to also tell you who he is. And he's holy. He's holy. He's holy. And he's holy, unique, separate. Now watch this. Verse 9. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him, because that's what they're doing there, who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, 
The 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. <laughs> Watch this line. They cast their crowns before the throne. There goes my paper. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, here it is, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. So recall, here's the first thing that we have to remember. The elders represent who? The elders represent us, the saints. So the response of the elders here must be our response every time we are given a revelation from God. Every time we hear a word from God. Every time we hear a sermon. Every time he reveals that he is good in your life. Every time he's brought you through, you need to remember to do this. Praise God. You praise him for who he is and for what he's done. You look over your shoulder and you remember a time that he paid it off for you. You look over your shoulder and you remember a time that he was your salvation. You look over your shoulder and you remember when he brought your child through it. You look over your shoulder and you remember when you couldn't pay the bills that he was able to pay them for you. You look over your shoulder and when you just needed a friend, he brought you friends at the church. You look over your shoulder and you begin to understand that God always is there for you. And when you understand who he is in your life, you shout and you give him a praise. You give him a praise. You say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for who you are, because that's the only real true response. Now, I love this. That's what they're doing. But why are they doing it? Why are they doing it? They're doing it because he is the creator. Oh, I love it. They do it because he is the creator God. I, 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 I um, you know, I'm not going to lie. A lot of this uh, teaching comes from Nate Bell. Uh, he's been doing it at youth group, which is amazing. So, and, and some of the other students have been helping him out. But I was at youth group and I was asking some questions off of this teaching. And one of our students, I said, I said, why do we praise God? We like to ask questions. Why do we praise God? And I love his response. It was profound. He said, because he's God. I was like, yeah, that'll work. That's it. Yeah, yeah, he's God. That's about it. It's because he's the creator. The very understanding of God is that he was never created. Each one of us has a beginning. Each everything we see in here has a beginning, but not God. That's the idea of God is that he has never been created. He, he, he always existed, yet he was never created. Profound. And so that, that, that for us, it helps us understand. That means he's the giver of life. That means he's the giver of everything that is good. Your health, he's the giver of that. Your finances, he's the giver of that. Every, every perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the Father of lights, from whom there is no shadow or variation due to change. Every single thing that is good, he has given us everything. It can be really easy at a time like this. You know, we're going through COVID where there's some mental health issues that could possibly be happening. There's a tons of tons of terrible things. But we have to also understand, wait a second, I just woke up. I have given, given life. Everybody take a deep breath in. Just breathe it out. We're not doing yoga. <laughs> Who gave you that breath? God. He's given it all. But most importantly, he's given us salvation. Not just, not just life, physical life, but reborn, new creation. New creation. Man, that is good news. It's fantastic. I mean, I look at myself and I'm... Okay, I'm going to get back to it. But I look at myself and I just see brokenness. I just see a load of, well, I just see a lot of bad stuff. But I think about what he's done. 
He saved me. He has saved me. The one who was running the opposite direction. The one who was acting wild. The one who was being foolish. The one who didn't care. The one who rolled his eyes. He saved me. There is, there is absolutely no greater motivation in the world. Now let's, let's conclude here with a couple insights to how we can better praise our God. Before I say that really quickly, let me just say that as I studied praise, I, I realized that praise is a relational term. It's a relational term. God wants relationship with us so badly. He wants relationship with us. And, and Brett's talked a lot about on the Trinity, just the idea that he is the Trinity. He's triune. He's three in one. From the very beginning of time, he has always existed in relationship. And when he went to create, he created us for relationship back with him. And how does he do this? Well, he gives us revelation of himself. We've already said this. He gives us revelation through his word, through life experiences, but primarily and first and foremost, through his word, he gives us revelation. And that revelation, it's meant for us to praise him. And as we praise him, he gives us more. He brings us deeper into his presence. And so because praise is a relational term, all relationships require one thing. And I, you know, this word's kind of scary, but it requires sacrifice. All relationships require sacrifice. And so this means that praise is a sacrificial term as well. This is why the writer in Hebrews says that we continually offer up a sacrifice of what? Praise. We offer up a sacrifice of praise. So as we go through these three insights, just understand that it's going to require some sacrifice. Which leads me into this first insight. Praise requires reciprocity. For any relationship to thrive, there must be reciprocity, giving back from what you have received. There is no greater motivation to give back to God, to give back to God, than Him giving us everything. That's our motivation to give back to God. I don't have to go too deep into that. To illustrate, I don't know if you guys could relate to this, but, and my mom's not here, so this works. And it's not online. <laughs> no! Oh, God. <laughs> Shoot. I should stop. Um, <laughs> but have you ever... Well, my mom used to say this to me. She'd say, Simi, take off the trash. And, I, and I'd tell her, Mom, I ain't got the time. She would look at me and say, Boy, I brought you into this world. <laughs> so you, do, you can relate. Okay, good. And I can take you back out. I don't know if that was, I was like, oh, goodness, here we go. And I can take you back out. So you better find the time. That's what she would tell me, you better find the time. And to me, I know, okay, let's drop it and take out the trash. <laughs> but she had a point, didn't she? She had a point. She gave me life. She gave me life. The least I could do is give her everything. Taking out the trash is part of everything. So I took out the trash. Now, now, if that's true for a father, from, from a mother to son relationship, how much more true is that from God to us? A, a way to praise, a way to praise, there's many ways to praise, but a way to praise is to give back to God, reciprocity, to give back to God for giving us everything. Give back. And so we see this, watch this in verse 10. It says, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. Watch it. They cast their crowns before the throne. 
Now remember what the crowns represent. The crowns represent the good works that they've gained, that they've worked up. After salvation, the Holy Spirit working the good works is funny. It's always God giving it, though. <laughs> but, but, but the crowns that they are given, good job. You did well in this life. You served that church for 50 years, and you've been an usher, and you've been on the, the worship team, and you've preached for 20 years, and you, oh, my goodness, you ever since I can remember, you said the Lord. I mean, you, you just have done so well in this life. Here's your crown. To me, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm taking that crown. But what do they do? When they see him, something in them is like, man, there's... Life is all about reciprocity. Relationships all about reciprocity. I, I, whoa, I mean, who he is, I've got to give something back. I, I've got to give something. And this is all they have. They have their crown. And what do they give? Every single thing that they have. Everything they have, they give that golden crown. They drop on their knees and give it to him. Take it. I'm not worthy to have it. Every single thing I have, my time, my money. My relationships, every single thing that I have is yours. When I see a picture of God, you see, understand that that our 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 our, our propensity, if you will, to, to hoard things and hold on to things, and no, everybody knows I'm the worst at that. But but when we have that, it's because we're not seeing God. When we see God, all we can do is drop down and say, take all of it. That's why Jesus says. You're not worthy of me if you don't pick up your cross and follow me. If you don't lay it all down for me, he's not being mean. He's just like, look, this is the reality. If you don't give it all, you're not worthy. So praise, it requires this reciprocity. And I've already mentioned this briefly, but here's where we can go a little dip deep, bit deeper here. Us giving back to God. This is just wild. Us giving back to God for what he has given first to us is God's way of giving us more of him. Us giving back to God what he has first given to us is God's way of giving us more of him. I love that. And it, it kind of reminds me of Hannah. Remember Hannah when she, when she had a child? She pleaded with God. He gave her Samuel. What did she do? She gave back to God that which he gave to her. Here's my first question. We're going to do applying the word here. I have a couple more insights too, but I'm going to do a question per insight. What provision has God given you that you can give back to God? Your life, your time, your money. What's something specific for you? Something specific. What is that for you? Here's my second insight. Praise communicates the characteristics of God back to God. Praise, it communicates the characteristics of God back to God. See it in verse 11. Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. It looks at the characteristics of God, loving, kind, merciful, gracious, and it talks, communicates back to God what it sees. I see that he's good. God, you are good. I see that he's merciful. God, you are merciful. I see that he's gracious. God, you are gracious. It communicates it back to God. Now, now, why is this so important? Well, there's many reasons, but here's one. It takes our perspective off of our problems. And it places it on God. It magnifies God. 
it, it, it magnifies God and it shrinks our problems to nothing. It's kind of like a telescope looking at a planet. The planet is actually bigger than what the telescope can tell us it is, but that tiny dot becomes bigger to us. Our perspective of it changes because we are magnifying it by focusing our thoughts on it. On the other hand, you have this microscope, right? A microscope does, it makes smaller objects bigger. So praise is not like a microscope, it's like that telescope because the microscope looks at the small thing and it makes it bigger. And it's actually smaller than how we see it. It's just like that with our problems. When we focus our thoughts so deep on our issues, not that they're not real, <laughs> shoot, to be human is to have some problems, but when we focus so deeply on it and we lose gaze, we lose our perspective of who, how great he is, that as great as we could ever see him now, it is still not even close to what we will see him when he returns. And when we place our perspective on him and our focus on him, our problems, they gain their proper place in our lives. And he becomes great and magnificent and worthy of our praise. Here's the question. What prisons do you find yourself in? What prisons, problems, what prisons do you find yourself in? In life. How are you focusing too much on them? You remember when Paul and Silas were in prison, right? When they were preaching? They were preaching the gospel. They got tossed into prison. What happens? They begin to praise God. They didn't lift weights and get out. <laughs> they didn't have the strength of Samson. They praised God. And the power of that praise broke those chains. Some of us are dealing with those prisons, the prison of depression, the prison of anxiety, the prison of worry, the prison of anger, the prison of lust. We're dealing with different prisons. We all have them. What prisons do you find yourself in currently? And how can you begin to praise God and focus on certain characteristics of God and speak back to God what you see so that that praise gains power and the kind of power that releases you from that prison. Third and final insight, praise requires prostration. Praise requires prostration. Verse 10, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They fall down. They prostrate themselves. They humble themselves physically. They physically drop. This is what, what I see here. What the elders do with their bodies shows us what we should be doing with our hearts as we praise God. What they do with their bodies shows us what we should be doing with our hearts. We should humble ourselves before our God. We should drop. When we see him, we drop. We humble ourselves. But this, I want to say this because I think this will, this is applicable. I also believe we should drop to our knees. I believe we should physically praise God. When we lift our hands, when we jump up and down, when we, when we, when we bow our heads, when we close our eyes, whatever it is for you, whatever that is, we should physically worship and praise our God. Why? Because God has created all of us. 
He's not just created our thoughts or we're just focusing on him with our thoughts. But no, God has created our bodies as well. And he wants us to praise him with everything, everything that we have. Every single thing that we have. More specifically, what this does is when we praise God with our bodies, it calls to our heart because God made us all. Remember, remember Brett just talked about this, how we are not just soul and we're not just spirit, but we are all, we are body, we're soul, we're, we're all of it. It calls to our hearts when we drop down on our knees and it says, hey, submit yourself to the Lord. It's kind of hard. I was telling students the other day, it's kind of hard to be angry and smile at the same time. Have you ever tried that? Like, ah, I'm so mad. <laughs> no, I'm not. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Because what you do physically, it actually, it, 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 it determines what you are starting to begin to do mentally. You ever hear a coach to look at a student and, and tell them, your heart's just not in it. Hustle more, your heart's not in it. The coach can't. The coach can't read the heart. Like, what is he talking about? He can't read the heart. What is he saying? He's saying, I can look at your physiology and determine your psychology. I can look at what you do with your body and determine what's in your heart. You remember what Jesus says? The good person out of the good treasure of the heart produces good, and the evil person out of the, his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Happens both ways. What I do with my body, it influences my heart. What I do in my heart and what I think in my thoughts, it will influence my body. So I would challenge us today to think about that. Where can you improve when you're talking about praising God with your physical body? Here's my final question. Do you struggle to express yourself in worship in worship and praise? Do you struggle to express yourself? Ah, I get it. I get it. I get it. Some of us are reserved, more quiet. And trust me, <laughs> I'm one of them. You know, you probably don't believe in me up here dancing and stuff. You probably don't believe that. But, but typically, I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty quiet. I'm pretty reserved. I'm a little shy. But you know what? When my, when my sports team comes on, <laughs> oh, I have no problem. I have no problem. Just, yeah, let's go. I have no problem with that. Now, it might not be your sports team, but anything. when you're in your element, let's just admit it. When you're in your element, you have no problem expressing yourself. It looks different per person. This is, let's not, you know, we don't want to get into legalism where it's like you have to do this, you have to, no, no, no. But the, the point is, I hope you can see it, that what you do physically, it is absolutely, it changes and challenges your psychology to worship Christ. Now, as Brett comes up to lead us in communion, I, I really, as I was praying about this, I would love to see our church be marked by our praise. Could you imagine that? Marked by praise and not problems. Or called to be the light of the world. Well, could you imagine what that would mean if we just praised him more? If we praised him more. Now, some of us do praise him, I'm not going to lie. But we, again, we do all fail from, from some time to time, don't we? But if we were marked by our praise and not our problems, that would speak to a problem-ridden world. Mm -hmm. To a world that, 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 that really struggles to find satisfaction. A world that struggles to find joy to the point where we're willing to do anything anything that challenges logic to just feel something but we as Christians as Greg read though we do not see him now we rejoice with joy inexpressible though we do not see him we as Christians they're going to call us a little crazy like man why are you praising you don't even see what you're praising it's called faith the old Christians they used to call it the faith the faith I don't see it but I believe it I believe it so Brett's going to come and lead us in communion
Amen. I want to say thanks to uh, Simeon and uh, also even with David Bayshore last week. It's really good to know that uh, not only with those guys, but with uh, Scott and Tony and Bobby, that when I'm not preaching for a week, I, I know everyone's going to be fed and loved and cared for. So um, I want to encourage, we're going to come to the Lord's table and notice this is another very physical part of our worship, that God comes and meets and ministers to us in a very physical way through bread and through a cup. And so we're going to come to the Lord's table. And I want you to notice the very same thing that Simeon was talking about, there is a reciprocity here. The primary thing in this table is that Christ has given, is giving, and will give himself to us. But in response, that reciprocity is, as we receive from him fresh and new, we give ourselves back to him. So that's what the table is about, is primarily that Christ gives himself to us. And then in response, we offer ourselves back to him. This is another aspect of our worship. So I encourage us, let's, let's do this today, applying the word still as part of our worship, receiving from God and then giving back. And I encourage you to feed on this this week. And when we come back together next Sunday, let's be ready to have God reveal himself to us and us to offer ourselves back to him, to worship him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and our bodies. So if you've got the cups, let's go ahead and uh, get them ready. You can take the first little part off to get ready with the bread. For what I receive from the Lord, I pass on to you that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is poured out so that your sins may be forgiven. Drink from this, all of you, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. O Lord Jesus, as we come to this table, we remember your gift of yourself to us. And we pray right now that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would give yourself to us fresh and anew. Lord, we thank you as we hold this bread that you took flesh and you worked salvation for us. Lord, as Simeon said, our salvation is your gift to us. And we remember this morning that in your body you were broken so that you might give that righteousness to us. And we receive it this morning in humble gratitude, saying thanks be to God for the body of our Lord Jesus Christ by which we are saved. Friends, take and eat. And Lord, as we hold up this cup, you tell us it is the cup of the new covenant which is better than the old covenant for it has fulfilled every requirement of the law 
It has given righteousness to us. It has brought every blessing you have to us as your people, not by our works, but by the blood of Jesus Christ. And through that blood, we are secure now and forever. So, Lord, we lift up this cup, the cup of thanksgiving, and we say thanks be to God that all we have has come through the blood of Jesus Christ. Friends, take and drink. Why don't we stand together? And as we always do, I'm going to cry out for the Holy Spirit to come to us, as uh, Simeon accurately mentioned. We need the Spirit to reveal to us. Worship comes from seeing God and working in our lives. We are dependent upon the Spirit to do that, but He is able. So cry out with me together for the Spirit to do that work in us. Lord, we are amazed when we look in the Scripture and we see glimpses of who you are, and we are dependent. Jesus, when your disciples were not understanding, you breathed upon them, and you gave them the Holy Spirit, and you opened their minds to understand the Word of God, to see the Father for who he is. And so, Lord, we cry out as your people now that you would give us the Holy Spirit in fresh fullness. Lord, it is not something we earn. It is your gift. And so, Lord, we thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. And Spirit of the living God, we ask that this week, Lord, as, as Simeon said, at, when we are in the midst of those struggles, Lord, take our eye from, from a microscope to magnify our problems, our struggles, our wants, our needs and desires. And, oh, Spirit of the living God, Put our eyes to the telescope so that we can focus in on who you are, O oh God. Reveal yourself to us each and every day this week. And as you do, Lord, stir up praise and worship in us as your people. And then, Lord, as we gather again next week to worship together corporately, may it just be an overflow of what you have already been doing in us each and every day day. Lord, we are confident that you will do this because every blessing is given to us, including the blessing of the indwelling presence and power of your Holy Spirit, because Jesus has secured it for us through his life, his death, and his resurrection. So Lord, we ask this in his name. Amen. I'm going to do the benediction, and it's going to be out of Revelation chapter 5. So we roll into the next chapter, and we're given a vision again of the worship that is going on. And I'm going to just speak over us some of the words of worship that are offered to God, and then encourage you to receive that blessing and go forth and spread it. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood you purchase for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive praise 
and power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. And God's people say, Amen. Amen. Friends, you are blessed with every blessing of God. Go forth filled with blessing and be a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. For more teachings and resources, please visit www.brcc.church.